Here we are. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> well, so we have to tell you that B says good morning. It doesn't matter what time you, you see B. It could be midnight. It could be nine o'clock at night. It could be eight in the morning. It's always good morning, right? Good morning. <laughs> right? So, yeah. I mean, the thing is, every moment is a chance for a new beginning. Oh, see? Getting all deep already. I think Rudyard Kipling is some like lazy British guy like that said that. <laughs> well, the, the reason that we tell you that is because it is actually morning right now. I think <laughs> this is the first episode that we actually did in the morning. It is a truly a good morning, and I am not lying for the first time ever <laughs> doing this podcast. <laughs> exactly. It's actually real. <laughs> good morning. So as we said before in the cluttered table, this is just our raw thoughts, our raw thoughts as we work through our cluttered table of faith and life and everything that we're navigating through. And it's a beautiful way for a father and their child or a child and their father to process. God process their faith, process these things together. And for the two of us, it's been incredibly transformative, but we're not trying to you know, go deep into so many aspects of every scripture. We're just saying, as we're working through the lectionary, there are certain things that are going to stick out to us and we're just going to share those. And the point of these conversations are for you to wrestle with those things and see what God would say to you and to create in you a hunger for more of God, more of who you're meant to be, and also a love of the power of written words that God gave us that can transform us and transfigure us. Mm-hmm. Well said. So these aren't necessarily in order of the lectionary. So this was something that we looked at several weeks ago. We don't even fully remember right exactly what we talked about. Yeah. But it hit us. One or two things. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to read it. It's found in Matthew 17. And then B, you can just jump off to wherever you feel led to. This is Matthew 17, 1 through 8, commonly referred to as the transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here, and if you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came, and he touched them, and he said, Get up. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So as you hear that now, again, after weeks, What's stirring in you? What's hitting you? I'm thinking about witness, bearing witness. Hmm. So there's what? Six people on the mountain. Each of them eyewitnesses to the glory of God. <laughs> it's incredible. Moses ascended the hill of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord, and in there entered into the glory of the Lord in, the, in the, the cloud, which appeared like a cloud of fire to all of Israel. In Exodus. In Exodus, yes. Yeah. So Moses is on the hill with God. Yeah. Moses is revealed, uh, the, the law, rather, is, uh, of God is revealed to Moses. Right, right. And given to Moses. Yeah. That's a revelation of God's self. He's got the first revelation, we get creation. It's a revelation of humanity from God. And then the revelation to Abraham, and so on and so on. And so yeah, on. yeah. You get Moses, that's the revelation of the law. This is how humans ought to act in accordance with the will of God. Yeah. Elijah, he ascends the hill, 
he sees the great winds and, and the fire and such that many other places, the Psalms and, and, and Moses and uh, the Exodus narrative, they all talk about that's the glory of God or whatever. The, you know, the fires brushed by, the hurricanes brushed by. Yeah. Elijah doesn't see God in those. God isn't in those for Elijah. God is in the still small voice. That's another part of the divine nature that is revealed to humanity to Elijah on that mountain. That story of Elijah always moves me because he's he's running for his life and he's desperate and he's depressed. He's oh yeah. He's searching and but he ascends up in the searching and it's through that ascension and then also thinking he's going to hear a certain way and then all of a sudden God reveals in this still small voice another way to to speak to his soul and to mm-hmm. give restoration and vision and in another part of God. In another part of God, yeah. Then Jesus brings three of his closest friends up the mountain. Yeah. Ascending the hill of the Lord, to borrow language from the Psalms. And in there, Moses and Elijah bear witness to Christ, who is transfigured before them into the perfect, like most possibly visible image to a human being of the divine nature. That's what's revealed to them is not just to Moses and Elijah there on the mountain, because there is a revelation to them itself, but also to the, the apostles. Um, who don't necessarily understand at this point what's happening, but, you know, Peter says, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us build you tabernacles. Yeah. Tabernacles be dwelling, uh, uh, something for something holy in which to dwell. Yeah. One of the coolest parts about this set of lectionary readings is in St. Peter, uh, or in Second Peter, <laughs> rather, <laughs> not St. Peter, Second Peter, Second St. Peter, there's, uh, Peter reflects in his letter upon this event. Yeah. And what it means. Um, Should we read that? Uh, here, I'll, I got some, some cliff notes here. Oh, good. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us his own, called us by his own glory and goodness, that we may become participants in the divine nature. Ooh. And now that's Peter writing. That's Peter writing. Reflecting mm-hmm. on this moment of mm-hmm. transfiguration. Exactly. And what it means to him and what it means to the community. Yeah. And something that I love about this story of Jesus is its mystery completely. Yeah. This is a revelation of, of the divine in a way that we can see, but we can't understand fully. We can only understand what is revealed to us by the spirit. That's it. Explain that a little bit more. Cause I think I'm not, I'm not fully tracking there. When they ascend the hill of the Lord. Yeah. The spirit of God encounters them. Yeah. Essentially all of these people. And isn't it amazing that their first response is falling down, which is is a theme, by the way, that happens all throughout Scripture when, mm-hmm. when they're, you know, when they're witness that kind of power, when they witness God, they just face in the dust, mm-hmm. terrified, and in a beautiful image of Jesus touching them, say it's okay. Yeah, touches them as a friend. It's interesting. Later on in this, Jesus says, "Don't reveal this until after yeah. I have." risen you know died and risen yeah i think that has to do with the dissension of the holy spirit as a interpretive tool see like peter when he reflects upon this he says you know no prophecy is a matter of one's own interpretation because prophecy is revealed by the spirit of god if it's communicated by the spirit of god then it's understood by the spirit of god in in interpretation if the spirit of god is upon the reader it can interpret the the story as a glimpse of god in the spirit of God, an image that I'll, I'll make of it, descended the mountain. You know, all these people that we talked about ascend the mountain to encounter the spirit of God. 
once Christ ascends, then the Holy Spirit descends the mountain to us. And Paul talks about that, living by the Spirit, needing the Spirit to, to understand. You know, Jesus would say, those who have ears hear, those who have eyes see, you know. Mm-hmm. You need that Spirit to, like you said, to be able to truly see and understand. Yeah. And Christ had to die and, and ascend before the Spirit could be revealed to the apostles. Gosh, that, that theme of ascending and descending, ascending and descending mm-hmm. is constant. It starts right at the beginning of the Bible. Jacob's ladder falls asleep on a rock, he has a vision, angels ascending and descending a ladder all the way to heaven. And over and over, and that's what we get, they ascend the hill of the Lord and they encounter God. God descends from silence and you onto the people. All these things. Yeah. Um, and in the death of Christ, the curtain is torn. The spirit and presence of God is not limited to a specific place, not a specific tabernacle, yet the tabernacle is the world itself. Yeah. We are the tabernacles. Well, and Peter speaks to that too, right? Oh, yeah. We just talked about that. Um, in, in Second Peter, uh, he, he, uh, right in that same part where he's talking about uh, the transfiguration, he says, um, it is good for me to remind you of these things as often as I can while I'm still in this tabernacle, referring to his own body. Man. Um, and it's not, like the only thing Peter says here is like, you know, it is good for us to be here if you wish, let us build tabernacles for you. And then when he talks about it again, he uses that same word tabernacle to describe his own body. Right. And knowing that he would die soon um, in that same phrase. That um, our bodies become the mm-hmm. living place of the spirit of God, the tabernacle where God dwells. It's it's a, a profoundly humbling concept. It's deeper. I mean, we're talking, but again, that's the mystery of some of these scriptures. It's the mystery of our life. It's a mystery of faith. Mm-hmm. It's... It's very complex, yet incredibly simple. <laughs> yeah. Literally, that's kind of what, what Peter says. It's just, you do well to be attentive to this. Can't really explain everything that's going on, though. How could you? It's yeah. it's the glory of God revealed right in front of you. You bear, he says, we bear, we saw it with our own eyes. We heard it with our own ears. We heard the voice of God with our own ears. We saw it with our eyes. We bore witness ourselves. That's it, to a mystical experience, something that doesn't necessarily make logical sense. But they saw it. They were eyewitnesses. They were there. They they saw God in that way. And if we are attentive, we are listening. Even what the Lord said when they were on the mountain, this is my son who I love, whom I'm well pleased, which we heard that when Jesus was baptized and the, you know, the heavens open up and the dove descends again. There's a descension. And then hearing God's voice is my son who I'm well pleased. But in this one, it says, listen to him. Yeah. That we would be good to heed that advice is to be, always be listening paying attention, trying to see in a different way, accessing the Spirit to open up our hearts to see the mysteries that are around us. Because there's been so many moments that I can point to in my life of faith to say, I don't know how that happened, but I witnessed it. And I have to believe in this aspect of of my faith, of my life, and then the person of Christ. Uh, there's no explanation, but it but I have tangible evidence because yeah. I've witnessed it. And, and it's very similar to what we see all throughout scripture too in the in people's faith journeys. Yeah. We just talked about it what yesterday with the or the day before maybe with the blind man Jesus healed. He was you know faithfully bearing witness the best he can. Is this man a sinner? I do not know. All yeah. that I know is I was blind and now, now I see. see. That's every that's the most he's a incredibly faithful and brave witness yet doesn't understand at all what's happening. All he knows is that I was mine, now I see. That's it. And that's probably the most faithful witness we can 
ever be as Jesus-centered people trying to faithfully follow uh, in the footsteps of Christ. Absolutely. And, you know, to borrow the word, be transfigured day by day, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know if I don't want to hijack that word too much and play into it, but having us be I think transformed. That's, that's you know? true, though, in Peter's interpretation, at least. Yeah. He says, by for the purpose that we might participate in the divine nature. Mm. That is being transfigured. That is union with God. That is marriage to God, almost. Yeah. Well, not almost. Like, you know, that's a central metaphor to what it is, union with God. That's beautiful. A mystical marriage. So... In light of this more mystical conversation and mysterious passage, what does this mean for for you this week, for me this week, for people listening? I don't know, be with, but we would do well to be attentive to it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good, actually. We don't always have to have like a step-by-step. I think we need to spend, at least for me, I'm not going to tell anybody else what to do, but for me, I want to make a commitment this week to be a more attentive to the spirit in me, to the spirit around me, to the way that God is working and make a commitment to myself moment by moment as best I can. I want to be conscious and listening uh, for the voice, for the spirit and for the movement. I guess that's, yeah, be attentive. Yeah. Cause that transfigured Christ is a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. This is our light that we cling to until the world is light. Well, there you go. That's what we found on our cluttered table. Smell you later. (laughs) Smell you later. (laughs) 